Welcome back to the After Dark Podcast, where we discuss topics that are none of our business. It's your boy, Black Mike, on the mic. We got Big Stir up top. You already know what's going on. Please like and subscribe. Comment down below any opinions you have. Make sure you give us five stars and follow on any audio platforms. Now that we got that out the way, let's move into the show. Big Stir, how you doing today? How was your weekend? You got any updates for us? What's going on? Uh, not not much, dude. My weekend was pretty chill, trying to save a little bit of money. Um, I uh, did buy another 24-pack of Michelob, and I'm currently trying to crush those this week and then buy another one on Friday. Um, but, yeah, had an interesting Saturday evening. A uh, friend of mine... I stayed up way later than I needed to, but I wasn't really fucked up. My other friend was, and I was just talking to them and like just shooting the shit, you know, more or less and talking about other stuff. But it's been pretty chill, man. Work's been, my director's been in town the last two days. Uh, I love him, but like, damn, bro, he'd be putting a hell of stress on my shit. Like, bro, I don't be <laughs> working that hard. Like, I work hard, but like, damn, he'd be making me feel like I'd be doing everything wrong. And he's like, oh, like, this, that, and the other, and we'd be telling him, like, bro, you just can't tell us what we're doing wrong and then not tell us how to fix it, like, <laughs> like you can't come and we just got a new manager, and she's great, and she's like, oh, like, I'm gonna be more detailed, and blah, blah, blah. and she's great, she's awesome, and there's nothing, nothing against my director, I lo- like, I truly do, like, I really enjoy him, I think he's a good guy, but he's honing in on some things that he's already admitted that he could have been better at, but other than that, man, life is good, I don't know if there's anything that's happened in your life, or we're just rolling, man. We rolling, man. Um, you know, like I had told you right before the pod, I'll tell everybody else, you know, um, there I was planning on making a move. Unfortunately, something came up and uh, two circumstances not in my control. I am a Carolina boy for for, you know, further notice. That shit is ass. Bro. That's all I got to say on that at the moment. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so we will roll right into the podcast because I'm sure you listeners don't care about that and you're more concerned with the topics on the dock. Well, guess what, people? There are a lot of great topics today. Well, not a lot, but like we say, great topics, very specific topics. Obviously, you know, we had a lot go down with the NFL. Week two is going to be big. You know I have to say it. Sterling warned you last week, as long as the Cowboys keep dominating, you're going to keep hearing it from me. It is get back season. Everyone who wanted to talk shit all my life because there was plenty to talk shit about, this season's get back. Trust me. You can count on that. Big big get back. And Tony Romo's my favorite quarterback of all time, so speak to him nicely, okay? Sketch his game. What's good? All right. Sketch. <laughs> we also got to get into Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. I bet somebody, I bet you $1,000 Ashton Kutcher wishes he was being punked right now, but you ain't, my bro. You in some deep shit, and we going to talk about it. <clears throat> we uh, Deion Sanders in Colorado, you know we're going to get to that. We got to discuss it. We didn't discuss it last week, which probably was asinine on our part, on our part, but we will get to it this week. But we have to start with none other than Tyler Perry, big Tyler Perry out of Atlanta, Georgia. ATL. 
you know some people might know him as Medea, but guess what guys it is a dude it is tyler perry Medea is not real in case you didn't know but he has some relationship advice to women that went astronomically viral uh well it was a lot of debate was you know being picked up from what he said i'm gonna play the audio so y'all can hear it and let me know your thoughts and then we will discuss it as well so let me go ahead and pull that up and play this for you guys Listen, a, a lot of women, especially black women, and I might get in trouble for saying this, but I will, in the in, in our society right now, mm-hmm. b- black women are making a lot more money for the most part than yeah. black men, right? There are a lot of black men who are successful, but for the most part, black women are making the money. So you, if you can find love, if that man works, you know, at whatever job mm-hmm. and is a good man, and is good to you mm-hmm. and honors and honors the house and honors his wife and does what he can mm-hmm. because his his gift may not be your gift exactly that is okay mm-hmm. that's not somebody who's beneath you yeah that's somebody who came to love you at your worth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right yeah and as long as he's secure in himself to know that yep she makes most of the money all i can pay is the light bill as long as she's comfortable enough to say i'm gonna cover the mortgage and all the other stuff you've had a light bill baby you can take me to dinner every now and then Mm -hmm. that is fine yeah so as the one percent men who listen to this podcast it is our duty to speak on behalf of our brethren who are not doing as well to us that he is discussing in that topic (laughs) so Before we get into it, Sterling, what were your initial thoughts? I know you said you have jotted down some, um, some, you know, some initial reactions of when you first heard the video. I just want to kind of hear, even though I pretty much know where you stand on this topic, and it's probably pretty similar to where I stand. But we got to break it down for the people. Yeah, I mean, uh, first things first. I mean, when it comes to like this sort of thing, it does come down to personal preference. I'm right. I'm a hundred percent with that. But obviously, the personal personal preference is dictated by the financial situations of both parties. Uh, whereas, I didn't feel as if he had to focus on black women specifically, which I thought was a little odd. Um, where he could have brought up all races, not just black women, because there's a plenty of women out there of different races making more money than the other person. But actually, statistically, black men are still technically making more money than black women if we're just talking about that uh that ethnicity or that race but that's just part of the quote-unquote wage gap that we don't want to get into that's just a fucking pile of shit Uh, um i'm gonna avoid that one but i think that tyler perry is speaking from a level of hierarchy because obviously he's one of the most i mean renowned directors and writers in hollywood and specifically black hollywood and he's been able to do things with just one title, not even just that, but multiple shows, um, movies, etc., to make himself who he is today. So he doesn't have that. That's my more or less my initial thoughts. I kind of want to get yours, and we can go into you know a little bit back and forth on that though. Yeah, for sure. So like I was like you, the very first thing I thought of, and the only critique I had towards what Tyler Perry said was that he directed it towards black women. I feel like us as black men specifically need to stop making generalizations that are directed towards black women that are applicable to all women. I think, you know, um, and he got it, he got it messed up. Like you said, statistically speaking, black men are making more than black women. Statistically speaking, 
women are making more than men nowadays is uh in the younger quadrant so the kids that are coming into the workforce now women are making more so that's a that statement was directed towards black women that should have been a generalization that would have been fact that's the only issue i had with what he said listen you got to understand uh for the women's listening to this for the men listening to this as a society, you know, generally speaking, historically speaking, men have been making all the money. They were the ones in the workforce. They were the ones going to work. Therefore, they were the breadwinners and acted as the breadwinners in the household. So as a society, we always wanted to make that a guy's thing. The guy is the breadwinner. The guy takes care of the household, spends money on the household. That's messed up. That was only align with how society was functioning back then but in reality the person that takes care of the household when it comes to big financial responsibilities is the breadwinner <laughs> that is the breadwinner's job historically speaking it was the man who was the breadwinner but that is not the case today it's the breadwinner's job so as a lady in today's society if you're making a lot of money um statistically speaking if you're up in the 125 grand let's say you're 125 grand plus there's going to be very few men that will eclipse that pay so with that being said you must know that if you're not one of the people that end up with one of the guys that eclipse that pay and it's going to be very rare for you to do so and not all of y'all that are making that money can have a man that will eclipse that pay you will have to take on breadwinner responsibilities and that's absolutely okay. So, I mean, like, I just feel like there's kind of a mix-up where we think that the uh, it's always the man's job, but it's really just a breadwinner's job in the relationship. And women who are now being the breadwinners need to be okay and accept that fact. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when it comes down to more or less breadwinners, etc., I'm a, I'm a big proponent of... Like I said, it is personal preference, but I'm also a big proponent of knowing this This conversation needs to happen well before you're in a situation of living together in the same household when it comes down to bills, mortgages, rent, etc. Um, because I know my parents set up and how it works uh, to a, not all the specific, uh, spe specifics about it, but I kind of understand how things work in terms of finances not saying my dad's paying for everything and it's not to say my mom's paying for everything it's very well put together based on income structure and at that point like this is the things that if you're not doing this before you live together you need to take it upon yourself with your partner whether that's male male female female what heterosexual relationship whatever it is your situation um you need to take that upon you and your partner to have that discussion and be very open and honest about you don't have to say, oh, I make $85,735.62 a year. Like, you don't need to be, like, down to the, like, the nub, but you'd be like, all right, look, I make more money than you by X amount of margin. I make 20% more money than you. So in reality, I'm going to have to pay or should be paying more. And this goes, people will be like, oh, well, that's the same thing about taxes. Because people think that people that make a lot of money should be taxed a ton. Yes and no. There's a, there's a fine line on that, but that's a whole different conversation for a, a different day. But if I'm in the situation as a man, I'm willing to handle that, that responsibility for all of those things 
if I'm in a financial position to do so. I will 100% do it. Like, it wouldn't even bat me in the, like, it wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think about it. But what a lot of ladies, I want to let you guys realize, or want you guys to realize is that one of the things as men that makes us f feel fulfilled with our partner is making us feel useful. And that's a way that we feel useful. If you're like, nah, I got it. Even if you're not even the one that's the breadwinner, quote unquote, like we want to do it. Like, it'd be nice to save a couple bucks in our own pocket, but it's like, oh, like she's willing to do like, oh, the light bill or something. Cool. Like, that's not a big deal. But if you're like, oh, I'll pay the mortgage. Don't worry about the cars. Don't worry about this. Like, don't worry about the credit cards. I got those too. Like, whoa, like. I'm the one that's supposed to be breadwinning here. And you're just like t trying to take the reins for me more or less. And I know it sounds stupid and I'm sure there's going to be some ladies listening to this, like, what the hell is he talking about? But I'm being hundred percent honest with you from a male perspective. In my experience, that is the things that will make him happy. And those are the things that will also consistently hold a good solid marriage or relationship when it comes to living together. Last point I want to make is I've heard before. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard it before. I'm sure you probably heard of some type of, uh, uh, var variation of it before where a lot of women will say you know it's his money is my money and my money is my money so this goes directly back to the point here i'm not saying that i don't mind spending money on you type of thing like i said if i'm the financial position just do that but i'm not going to condone you just buying louis bags and this that and the other and like no that's not how we work that's not how my parents got to where they are. That's not how the, where how Michael and his parents got to where they are. You don't do that stuff. You play it smart. You give yourself something here and there. You do nice gifts from each other if you are in the financial position to do so. Live under your means no matter how much money you make, and you will always have money in your wallet, and you always have money to back yourself up when shit hits the fan. So I just don't believe in that. Other than that, Todd Perry hit the nail on the head to a degree. Like I said, I wish he didn't have to focus on black women because we already get a, they already get oppressed enough just to be frank. And I don't think our women need any more of that just hit to the face. It can definitely be more generalized when it comes down to this type of topic in terms of breadwinning and who's paying and who's not paying, picking up the bill, et cetera. All these things are under the same umbrella. Yeah, and I think that the where the biggest difference comes is really like a mindset thing. Because when you think about it, Guys are more uh, willing to, you know, provide for a a girl who doesn't have much to her name, really. You know, like, you know, mm -hmm. guys will provide for a project, quote unquote, per se, um, financially speaking, while a successful woman is significantly less willing to provide for a guy who's more of a project and has more... Uh, you know, external qualities, financially a project, financially, financially, a, pro financially a project. Yeah, we're speaking financially because that's what the topic is about. And um, they're they're less willing to provide for that guy. And the thing is, once you make a lot of money and you're still living with the mindset that I need a guy that makes more than me. Well, then guess what? Like your pool gets smaller. Your pool gets significantly smaller. The average male in the United States makes, what, like $45,000 a year? So it's going to be significantly hard. Then you got to take – so now you have – now you have um, – you want someone who makes a lot of money and makes more than you. Your pool shrunk. Now that person has to be single. They can't be in a relationship. Pool shrunk again. Most of y'all have preferences on height and uh, body type. 
pool shrunk again and the pool just keeps getting smaller and smaller eventually your lady's gonna be looking like one piece trying to find the one piece of the dude is gonna be like all y'all traveling the seas like some pirates looking for that one lucky nigga that <laughs> that gets the girl all y'all chasing the one piece y'all gotta is it's bad to say it because of the way uh social media has kind of made everything but it's a numbers game it's literally a numbers game it's like sales. <laughs> it's a numbers game. That's all it is. And as you keep putting in a bunch of criteria, your number drops significantly. And so you're going to have to meet that person. And it's not like it's not like we got a, a go find me rich nigga app where it's <laughs> where it pinpoints where every rich nigga lives in the United States and what his uh, <laughs> and what his current situation is that's not a thing yet i'm sure it will be one day i'm sure that they'll have some kind of app that provides it but uh as of right now the best you got is raya and that's not gonna you know that <laughs> they you need a um you need a recommendation to be in that so most of y'all women probably ain't gonna be on that shit no how but and, and he, go, go ahead go ahead go ahead well, even in that same vein, you know how we got to get on these tangents. It goes down a whole different route, but it's on the same route at the same time. We're still on 85 right now, but we might break off and hit 485 here soon. Who knows? Um, but in that same vein, there are, like, I know that in, like, in our futures, I'm sure, um, especially when you get into your 30s, I mean, I think it's great, like, personally, that women are making so much money now. Like, I think it's awesome. I think the playing field is becoming extremely level. Um getting to that point but when it comes to finding a partner like i thought you were going to go on along the lines of like oh like a lot of women are like don't settle don't do this don't do that like the one person is out there for you no 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 no. that's not how it works that's not how it works bro i'm sorry like mike said it's a numbers game and if there's only one person that fits your criteria in the entire world of eight billion people Eight billion, your odds, dude. You have better odds to winning the lottery. I'm almost positive. You might as well play the lottery every night instead of trying to do that. And then you have to think about that one guy, for example. Is he gonna even have the balls to come and speak with to you or like actually get through that door or do whatever it needs to be to get you even interested in the first place? Like these are all other factors, these are like micro or macro things. Hey, no, no, micro things that you don't even think about more or less when it comes to finding a partner. And the cold truth is, the cold truth is, I feel like most people marry the person that is near and good enough in the moment that they're ready to be married. <laughs> it's yep. not even the best relationship they've been in. It's not their perfect match, quote unquote. Some of y'all people think it was a perfect match. Guess what? God did not put your perfect match, you and your perfect match in Joko together. It did not work out like that. <laughs> it, it, you had a relationship. You made it work. You work on it every single day. And that is exactly. what a marriage is. And now you are ready to be married. That person's ready to be married and settled down. And y'all can make it work cohesively together. That is what happens. There is no perfect person out there. If you were to no longer be with that person, the odds of you finding love again in a situation to be in a relationship to get married again is pretty high. That is just a cold, hard fact. I'm just I'm just yeah. being honest. Yeah, it's the truth. And like, like I want to go back to the point that I said earlier. Like, if, if you ladies feel like you're settling, there's so many things that a man could say about settling with a woman too, man. It's the same thing. Like, 
because I want to I want to let y'all hear me real quick. Look, in this society we have a we have a there is a pandemic or an epidemic of lack of accountability. Let's just be 100% honest here. So with that lack of accountability, unfortunately from what I see this isn't a fact that I know of women are typically less accountable for their actions than men on a, and more often more often than not are less accountable with that being said the women are more willing to shit on men like for not doing he could have almost everything but he doesn't have everything and it's like oh like he wasn't doing this but think about all the things you didn't do or have that he might have been looking for you know take take it and see it on an even playing field because i know some people I'm not talking anybody in particular, but um, I know some people that like to slander, but won't take accountability for the things that they've done. So there's a that's something you got to be like. That's more if you if your ego's there, right? If your ego's there, that's a different story. But understanding what you've done, if it was good or bad, and where you can improve is all about being a human, the human experience, bro. Like I'm telling you, ladies, like for every lady out there who's looking for a man, whatever your situation is. Like, especially from the heterosexual side, I'm gonna tell you there's a guy, there's multiple men out there for you. It's about timing. And it's about what you're willing to give and also give up at the same time to have what you truly want as true love. Because love is a fallacy. It's a fallacy. Love's never enough. Respect, honor, communication, all these other factors go into it. And back to communication, if you're not communicating with your partner about how you like to do bills and et cetera, so on and so forth prior to you living together, once again, you are just going to fuck your entire marriage because what is it? 50% of marriages in the United States are literally broken off because of finances. Like not even because they don't love each other. They probably love each other a bit, but it makes you resentful and people are greedy. We're all greedy. People are like, oh, you're so greedy. No. Everyone is greedy. You just don't want to admit this shit. Admit you're greedy, understand that, and then take it from there and take the proper steps to do what you got to do to get yourself right. Yo, and if you chicks are out here breaded up, it's okay to have yourself a, you know, a decently paid bulldog in the house. You know what I'm saying? He's just, he's just a bulldog. He's just out there chilling, just grumpy on the porch all day long because he's protecting his girl or some shit. And you out here paying for everything. And he's just over here, you know, just being a dog type shit. Like that's, that's okay too. It's a new world we're moving in. There's a lot of like yeah. our kids and even like a lot of the people who are growing up now are there's going to be a lot of cases where the woman is the breadwinner or you're making the most you're making the same amount of money and the guy is not as financially responsible so the woman's sitting on more money there's going to be a lot of situations where that happens and uh quite frankly it's not a bad thing at all like there's nothing wrong with that there's it's equal, you know, it happens. There's gonna be somewhere it's traditional, there's gonna be somewhere it's non-traditional, there's gonna be somewhere it's equal income coming in. They all can work, but you just need to understand what position you're playing and play it well. If you're making a lot of money, just understand like your pool's smaller. So yes, you can wait, but don't wait too long, sweetie. Don't don't wait too long. You're gonna be waiting and you're gonna be looking around and everyone else is gonna be happy, smiling with their little fifty thousand dollar man, and you over here grumpy because I'm still waiting for that seven figure nigga and he ain't came yet. And 
I don't know what to tell you. Some of y'all don't even know what you really want, which is the number one problem, because y'all have all <laughs> these standards and criterias, and none of that is what you need at all. <laughs> like, I, I, ask yourself, ask yourself, Mike, what what do you what do you want in a woman? Like, and I I be telling people like, honestly, bro, I just want somebody that's cool, like obviously looks good, like somewhat take care of herself. She don't need to be no gym rat, nothing. And like, that's it, bro. Like, that's it. I just want somebody. I don't even be like, yeah. I just want somebody I'm attracted to that's nice, cool, and nurturing. I don't need nothing else. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, you, it, the stand, and then look, women got this list look like this. Hold up, the scroll. Hold up, the scroll. <laughs> Hold up. Hear hearie. <laughs> she got her girl saying, this man must be six foot two, have an NFL body, making 150K. Had the penthouse and his own house prior. Like, bro. Hung like a horse. <laughs> like, hung like a Like, bro, what else do you need? Like, the standards are like. And I, I'm I'm going to, this is my last point. This last little bit I'm going to make on this. But I'm telling you, bro, it's discouraging as fuck. But I understand there's a lot of cool women out There's not, not everyone's nice either. Man or woman. I'll tell you that straight up. There's not a lot. There's. A lot of people are nicer than what they give off, but if you're asking for too much and you can't deliver even half of what you're asking on your half, knowing that this is men's standards, then you already lost. Because we've said it before, like women will probably say like, oh, guys' standards are so low, blah, blah, blah. It's no, it's because we know we like most men don't need a lot. We don't need a lot. We just need something. We don't need a lot. That's not we it. We need you to be. That's not you it. Don't need that. What it is, Sterling, is that we are the ones putting ourselves out there getting rejected. So we are forced with the reality of what our actual pool of women is. We're not sitting here delusional like we need the baddest thing coming around because we've tried. Trust me, we've tried. And most of us have not succeeded very often at getting the baddest chick around. So we are quite aware that, hey, the likelihood of me ending up with that is probably slim. So that's probably not my go-to pool of women. And I feel like women don't have that same kind of like, uh, they get approached by people and they even get approached by the rich niggas who just trying to, you know, dick them down and leave. But they think because they getting dicked down that, you know, these rich niggas want to hold them down. And it's like, no, nah, there's a difference. <laughs> there is a difference. Yeah. I, I definitely think that, yes. Don't, not to say us men won't take our shot at that 10 out of 10 that's probably way out of oh, our yeah, league. Oh, yeah, for sure. We take take the shot. Bro, they be like, why men so sad? Why that? Bro, dudes be getting hit in the mouth with just the worst reject. The worst you could say is no. Have you ever seen those TikToks before, bro? <laughs> yeah. or those videos? Bro, they be out of pocket. Like, who the fuck are you? First off, you look like this. And just go on a roast. And it's just like, dog, like... He just asked a simple question. Like, he didn't even deserve that. So, for ladies out there, be good to the men out there that are just trying. Like, if they're creepy, you know, chew them away. But, like, if they're, if you can at least tell that they're trying to give themselves a shot, shit, you, you might, if you give them a chance, you might actually start to like them. Who knows? Um, with that being said, let's move into some idiots on the internet. Um, two of, quite frankly, some of the, the, I think these are some of the worst parents from the outside looking in that I've ever seen in my life. Um, that is Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. Tyler Perry had advice about relationships, and Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis must have been on the same page about stupidity. So <laughs> that being said, 
Um, if you didn't know, Ashton Kutcher um, and Mila Kunis recently let, or sorry, wrote a letter um, on behalf of their former That 70s Show co-star Danny Masterson, who is facing serious allegations, um, more or less on rape charges, and I don't want to use that word, but... <laughs> yeah, let's uh, stare away from it because of the, the sexual, YouTube algorithm. Se sexual assault, um, and we want to make sure that we kind of uh, we want to talk about it, but we don't want to, like, get too graphic or anything like that for the sake of ourselves, honestly. Um, and for anybody that's listening, it might be sensitive content. content I'm sorry. But um, my first question for you, Mike, is obviously, you know, hearing this, these two idiots, like, I'm sorry, they're just not smart people. Um, what are your thoughts on them writing more or less a character um, letter about Danny Masterson to kind of give him some leeway? Yeah, so my number one issue with it was the fact that it came after the guilty verdict, if I'm correct. Like, so the letter was yep. to lighten his sentence. And to me, that's just not something that, especially with what he's being sentenced for, that I feel like they necessarily needed to do and per se and i understand that this is a lifelong friend this is probably someone they considered a brother it's probably family to them at this point but had this been prior to the like the verdict oh yeah my my boy could have never done this absolutely no no shot i'm writing the letter that i would have no problem for at all like go ahead shoot shoot it in there you you're riding with your boy, understood. You don't know the verdict yet. The what all the ins and out have not came out yet. You're riding with your boy, I understand. But the fact that he was already guilty, the fact that you literally have a foundation for these for sex trafficking and stuff like that. So you already know just how serious these types of things are in real life. And you and you yourself are writing a letter on someone who you know has been convicted on multiple um counts of doing this kind of thing and then you give us this half-ass apology uh video that was just really trash for two actors to be honest or, and actresses i mean honestly ashton kutcher did a pretty good job he was a decent actor to make it like he wasn't reading but to me mila kunis she looked like she did not even want to like the, how i saw it a lot of people were saying like oh she's a bad actor she's bad at reading I didn't really take it like that. I took it like she don't, she feel like she shouldn't have to do this shit. Like she feel like this shit's stupid. Uh, her PR is making her do this and she's going to do the video as if her PR is making her do it, make her do this. And she's completely unbothered and doesn't want anything to do with this at all. That's how I saw that video. But I mean, I really just thought it was kind of, I just think it was a bad precedent, a bad message. Uh, they said they didn't think it would get out. Your Ashton, your Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis. This is a celebrity case. If you thought that anything wasn't, if you thought that wasn't gonna get out, you just—I don't know what world you live in. If you don't know what kind of day and age we're in right now, you're bugging. You're absolutely bugging. But those were my initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, I think I find it quite laughable. These two are actually some of the. I'm telling you, bro, they're some of the biggest idiots on the internet telling you every single time about them not washing their kids for like multiple days at a time and just coming out and telling people that like bro your kids are gonna get flamed in school <laughs> flamed they're gonna flame like oh but so what like we live in a big house y'all don't use the showers though 
You don't use the showers. You got five, six bathrooms. Don't use one of them damn showers. Stanky ass. Secondly, the fact that they put out a letter basically recanting exactly like you kind of what you were saying is absolutely insane. You can't write letters post-conviction and literally just be like, oh, my bad. My bad for saying that. And let's be honest, when it comes to Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, um, they're just trying to find their way back into the limelight here and there. Uh, obviously, lack of notoriety they've had over you know the past little while. I mean, Ashton's attached to a lot of stuff. Mila Kunis, you know, she's, you know, she's there. Um, <laughs> she had her time. She had her. She had her day. She needs to take care of her kids and shower more or something. I don't know what it needs to be done, but I'm sure them kids stink. They smell like outside for a multiple days. They smell like rotten eggs mixed with outside. You probably uh, rub so them they, kids in dirt because <laughs> scrub you know how it. it's, uh, like playing, it's like playing a sport back in high school. You get home from a game, you could be all scratched up, bloody and stuff. You're still gonna make sure you take a shower because you you'll see that shit just run off you in the shower. Like, damn, that shit is gross. Like yeah. kids play in the mud, bro. They play in dirt. Like, don't let your kids go a day without taking a shower or taking a bath. But honestly, I don't have really many thoughts inside of from the fact that I know that they're both just ignorant, regardless of like him if he actually did this or not but based on the evidence that was presented obviously it was enough to convict secondly um i think it was pretty what's the word i'm looking for um not senseless but um a little psychotic more or less or like sociopathic where it seemed like they invalidated the people involved on the other side and that's something that i don't find that's like cool like, yeah, I don't the, think that's cool at all. And there was kind of a another layer on it because there was a video that was going back, an old interview. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Sterling, but there was an old interview of Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher when they first started the show. And Ashton and Mila Kunis like was fourteen years old, Ashton Kutcher nineteen at the time, and they were having bets on, oh, would you use tongue with making out with her and shit like that? And he was like, oh, I'll do it for five bucks and stuff like that. And they were talking about how she would kiss everybody at the studio and stuff like that. And it was just like, dude, so there's a lot of weird stuff circling around over there. I obviously don't know the ins and outs. I did not go down a YouTube rabbit hole just because, honestly, I'm not interested in what these two have to say and, you know, where where the story lies in between i think justice has already done its due and to me i'm perfectly fine at that so i left it there but i do think that there's a lot of weird stuff going on between the three of them which is probably the reason why they were willing to like go out on a limb and write that letter i heard it's also got a lot to do with uh scientology which i'm not quite knowledgeable on so i will um I will avoid trying to give my opinion or trying to state uh, what interconnections there are with the Scientology in this case, but I uh, I encourage you to go and do some research on that and look into it. I'm sure there's a lot of interesting different uh, routes you could take with that, but I'll, I'll, I'll stay away from it. Yeah, I, I'm going to stay away from it too. All I know is Oprah's one of those, so if that's what it takes to be a billionaire, I'll do it too, but um that being said <laughs> i just want to go back to the point here where i thought it was ironic that they're in the letter that they wrote a couple things that i took down that i noted was more or less they use words like father figure 
and he's like anti-drug and all this that and the other i'm like this is hell ironic after he got convicted for damn i i i gotta be never mind um yeah we gotta be careful but in this instance i thought it was like i said i thought it was quite laughable that these people really thought they could just do this and then come out with an apology like this shit didn't happen and like it's it's it'd be one thing if it was prior conviction and it'd be another thing if it was post like it's post conviction dog like it's like mike vick did the dog fighting brother like i'm even if he did or he didn't obviously evidence evidence was there my boy was fighting dogs like fuck making bread on the side, <laughs> like, making fuck. Like, like crazy fuck, bro. I mean, same way, but the thing is, is, like, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit type of shit. Like, I mean, like, give it to them. Like, we believe in jury jury and executioner, uh, judge, jury, and executioner, so we give it to them. That's what it is. Um, I just don't, me personally, I don't wish harm or, you know, any wrongdoing to anyone, but at the end of the day, this the guy still got convicted. I think there's wrong convictions at, at times in, in, in cases that I see. But from the evidence that I saw, just doing a little bit of research and just reading a little bit about it, there's not much to stand on there. And no matter if you write, a, you can write 150 character letters for a character witness after the fact. It ain't changing nobody's fucking mind for a damn appeal or nothing, bro. Like, look, if Tori can't get out on an appeal for shooting Megan in the foot, then this nigga is definitely not getting out. Hell, that's no. a fact. Fact. And I, and I, I don't, and I don't fuck with any of that, like at all. I actually have zero tolerance for it. So, um, if anybody has thoughts on that, love to hear your thoughts in the comments. Um, and like Mike said about the rabbit hole, if you guys found us through the YouTube rabbit hole, stay down here. It's nice and dark. No sun out here, but it's nice and dark. It's about seventy degrees with a light breeze. Perfect fall, fall, some fall going into or summer coming in the fall weather. Just saying, I mean, that's what it's like down here in the Carolinas right now. I don't know where you guys are at, but, and if you're in Africa and y'all out there hot as hell, hey, more power to you. Drink all the water you can get, my G, because <laughs> drink bro, up. A, a bro was pissing yellow today. I, I didn't drink enough water. It was bad. So I couldn't be there. But in that case, you know, we got to hop onto the sports, man. And I'm going to leave the week, week recap of week two as the last topic, because I know it's going to be one of our longer ones. And I know we have listeners that are specifically coming for that, so I'll leave that in its own in its own right to the end of the uh, to the pod. But if you guys haven't been been watching the amazing story that is the Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes, um, they escaped a this man Bisbold escaped so bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was typing it mad quick in the dark, bro. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> they escape a narrow victory against, I mean, newfound foe Colorado State after the controversy of the coach basically saying that Dion's not classy, et cetera, so on and so forth. This dude's an idiot, too. Like, he just dumb for that. Um, but when it comes down to Dion, at this very moment in the season, in the situation that they, they came into and where they are at this moment at 3-0 and currently, is this the most impressive coaching story that you've ever witnessed, Mike, in your lifetime where you can genuinely remember it? Because we could talk about the past and Phil and Pat Riley on the basketball, but we're talking about our lives, our lives in the adulthood and not even just adulthood as we become accustomed with more and more sports stories. 
Uh, I would have to say so because I'm struggling to find an alternative. I can't recall a coach having this level of impact. And when I really think about it, a lot of the coaching stories, it's like, oh, they brought a bad team to a good season this year. And everyone like thought that this team had no talent. And they brought them up. But this is so much deeper than that. Like, this is a cultural thing. I think the last the last game, Colorado versus Colorado State, was the uh, uh was it, it, it peaked at eleven point one million views. It broke records. Eight point nine million late night at the two thirty ending time Eastern time of that game. That broke a that literally broke a record. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's insane what he's doing. And we're talking about Colorado versus Colorado State. Let me say that again. Colorado versus Colorado State. There is not a there's not many scenarios in life where I find myself tuning into that game if it wasn't for the Dion story. The Dion the I never I never watched Colorado once before the season, bro. Exactly. The Dion story, the Shadur story, the Travis Hunter story, which was also, uh, we can get into that a little bit later. What happened to him? That was absolutely fucked up. But it's also football, so I get it. Um, but it was still fucked at the same time. <clears throat> but, I mean, I think this is a great story. It's, it's, got, it's got so many layers to it. It's got him making taking these black kids who obviously are in less privileged situations most of the time, I, I mean, that's a fair, that's a fair generalization. Yeah, that's yeah, a that's yeah. a fair generalization. And he's turned them. He said he tells the parents, send me your boy. I bring him back a man. And he's clearly doing that in the way they handle themselves in these press conferences. They're confident, yeah. you know, rambunctious men. They're growing into like these little Dion's just walking out here, just slaying away the world. Shador is confident. He feels no pressure. Completely water, poised water. on water, man. He step up to anyone. He's got confidence through the roof. Travis Hunter's got confidence through the roof. The whole team feels it. There's a father son uh, window into the story. I mean, it's almost too perfect of a story, and I, I hope that it continues. I hate that they don't have Travis Hunter for Oregon next week or USC after that. Because those are going to be premier matchups that I would love to see what they could do at full strength. And God forbid if you let them win those games. Oh my God, bro! It's gonna it's gonna shut you down. About, you talk about the Travis or not the Travis, the Patrick Mahomes effect. It'll be like crack. Shout crack. out to crack at the dinner. Shout out to crack at the dinner. We it haven't was, shot them out in a minute. I know. Shout out my boy Frank Saint. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I I love that you hit on the cultural point because that's exactly what I kind of took notes on. So, I mean, for the folks that don't know, like, I mean, I I got about five six pages of notes up here for this pod because I had some time before, and I usually don't try to take. I try to be pretty off the cuff, but I throw my thoughts on paper sometimes when I have some time. Um, but it seems like, in my opinion, the entire world is on Dion, Dion and Colorado's shoulders, and they're just lifting them up at the same time. Like, they literally have the whole world up here, and they're still getting lifted up. They're floating. And he's like, I mean, like I said, to the culture thing, it gives me chills thinking about because it it's actually an insane thing that's happening in college football and football in general. 
Dion has adopted a style of coaching that suits today's age of football and the players. Because now everything is flashy. Everything is a little confident. Everything's a little swaggy. Little People might, back in the day, would definitely call it a little bit of arrogance. you got to have that type of swag. Ultimately, he's bringing them personality, man. Personality. There is a problem in sports. There are fantastic football players, basketball players, baseball players are the worst at being, being have personality, which I hate because I'm a baseball guy at the end of the day. But this is the type of stuff that makes these guys marketable in college, and then it also makes them marketable once they get in the league so they can continue to make money for their families and themselves and support themselves throughout their life if that's what they choose to do. And if they don't choose to go the route of football, they'll still be marketable. Because it doesn't matter. These people, they are seeing who they are. And on a more serious note. Wait, can I, if you're going to switch off that point, can I speak to that point real quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I thought that was a great point. I didn't even really think about it from that standpoint. Because I want to bring up uh, Steph Curry and how he goes about his game. And, you know, what Jeff T was talking about on his podcast. Because, there's a shift that a lot of athletes don't understand that happens from when you leave high school and enter college. From adolescence to high school, sports is sport and it's all about game. It's all game, game, game. You're trying to be the best. Who's better than who? When you line up against in front of me, I'm going to tear you down. Once you enter college and you're looking at the pros, you're looking at NFL uh, MLB, NBA, whatever it is you're looking to do, you are no longer in just sport game. You are now an entertainer. You are a television star. Your tele- your show is the sport. So you are just as much an entertainer as Stephen A. Smith is, but what you do is go out there and play a sport. And so why I bring that up and why I want to talk about Steph Curry real quick and I'll let you get back to your topic is because Jeff Teague was talking about it, about how he was he was mentioning, like, dude, you ain't got to be all flashy. Why are you shimmying and everything like that? And Steph was telling him, like, hey, man, you got to do those kind of things. That's where the money's at. That's what makes you marketable. So when he hits that shot and he does his shimmy, yeah, he's doing his shimmy because fuck you to the other guy in front of him. You're not as nice as me, and I'm going to have fun and dance around. But he's also cognizant of the cameras around him and how that's going to look on the TV, how that's going to be marketable. Whenever uh, you hear the we're going to commercial break, he knows he's going to be played because he hit the dagger three and did a shimmy. And that's going to be the slow motion before whopper, 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 whopper hits your your TV. And so... You, so Dion is implementing that into the players and, you know, allowing them to show their flash, allowing them to make money through NIL and be big marketable stars while also making sure they stay focused at the task at hand, which will only allow you to be where you want to be is winning football games and doing it at a high level. Yeah, I mean, these guys are a, a pleasure to watch. If you guys haven't had the opportunity, I'm sure you probably saw clips, but Take a chance and watch the games. You'll really get, get an understanding of how good, the, especially the top guys, Travis Hunters, even uh, his other son, Shiloh, on defense. And uh, Shador is, is outstanding right now. It's definitely showing It's definitely showing the change of the guard in terms of black quarterbacks or from white quarterbacks to black quarterbacks within not just the college football game, but obviously in the NFL game and how uh, powerful they are. But as I was saying, 
Like, no one saw this coming. And to speak to that exactly, statisticians had this team at 2.7 wins for the entire season. They are currently 3-0. And they're going to go against their second biggest test as of yet because their first biggest test was ECU. Or not ECU, TCU. <laughs> yeah, ECU <laughs> might have been a <laughs> ECU might have been a wash, um, but went against TCU, came out victorious. That was the big icebreaker moment where they're like, "Oh shit, these guys are for real." Dion wasn't lying. Now they're going to be going up against the number ten Oregon Ducks this week, which I'm excited to watch. It's prime time. Tell is literally prime time. It's on ABC, um, and the next couple of weeks they're going to have to play. USC, like the following week, the against the Heisman favorite, Caleb Williams, who is also extremely marketable, extremely fucking marketable. And in that case, I'm so happy that Coach Prime has come to the scene, man. He has shown the way for a lot of young athletes, specifically in the black community or minority communities. Do you could be yourself, just do it, a, be high class handle your business, like be respectful, have fun, dude, have fun because this game doesn't last forever. He's, I mean, I'm pretty sure he said that. And for the past couple of weeks, since my new managers came in, she's played two videos on Mondays. We always have like a Monday morning meeting where we'll talk about what we want to do and stuff. And she always put like a motivation video. She's like, I've jumped on the bandwagon. Dion is that guy, man. Dion's that guy. And he's changing the landscape for recruiting for coaching and a lifestyle and how to live and be at a very high level. But um, to talk about the Travis Hunter situation, because I think it is, has to be brought up, unfortunately. Um, the Travis Hunter situation, if you guys didn't see, literally you could type in Travis Hunter on YouTube and I guarantee that the first thing will come up be like hit Colorado State player or whatever it is. Travis Hunter definitely took a cheap shot um, from one of Colorado's, Colorado State linebackers. Um, but in my opinion, like I said, I, like, I think, I think it was a dirty play. Um, I think it was dirty as all hell and I don't condone it, especially in a sport like football where you're already getting fucked up from day one, you know? Um, but this does not condone him getting death threats. If you guys didn't know that same player was getting death threats to his family and himself for the idiot. And that's, and I don't want to make this about like a positive thing, but that's the type of effect that this team has had on America, that people are all rooting for them and they want to see them succeed. And I'll make my point here. And I'll kind of let you talk about the situation. But with that being said, I imagine this definitely could be a detrimental loss for the Buffaloes, like for them at the end of the day, when they're going against a team like Oregon, who's a high powered offense. It's always been a high powered offense, even when they had their off years. Um, but I really hope, for my personal opinion, this isn't like a the end of a beautiful season. I want to see these guys be able to be in the conversation. Like, damn, they might be able to make the college football playoff if they keep winning. Because yeah. that's one of those things. If you talk about the overall, is this the most impressive coaching uh, performance or you know situation that you've ever seen? I go with you as well. To all the things I said, I didn't even answer the question up front. But yes, it. But he could. They could go, what is it? How many games in the regular season in college? 12? Yeah. They can go 10 and they can go ten and 2. They could literally lose against Oregon and USC. In my opinion, they need to win against one of them to keep them in a really high bowl. They need a split. They need a split to be able to make they the playoffs. Need, they need a split, and ideally, if they could lose to Oregon, and then if they beat USC, I think they'd be still in good shape. 
Like, I think because I don't think USC would lose anybody else for the rest of the year, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, and I really want to see them succeed. There are a lot of other people do too. I just believe that if these guys even get 10 wins this season, based on what statisticians had them at 2.7, this will be flat out the most impressive coaching performance in any sport in my time, honestly, probably ever. And we'll probably won't see anything like this for a while because nobody has the balls or really the type of pull to be able to do something like this, uh, like Coach Prime did. Yeah, and in like let's also remember this is the first year. So, you know, whatever they do this year for anybody else, just know you've been put on notice and this is a warning because what comes after this year is just pure domination, I feel like, for years to come. Because recruiting... Oh, Nick Saban, Coach Riley, all y'all take a back seat, bro. Because you can't talk to these niggas. You can't talk to these niggas like Dion can. Dion can really talk to these niggas. He ain't got to, like, pull out no flashy shit, none of that. No, 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 no. He just pull them to the side and really just talk to them how they, they, you know, how they can feel it and be resonated towards it. Uh, But like you said, Travis Hunter, I do think that's a big loss. It's like losing two top recruits. Uh, at once because he's literally a top receiver in the nation and a top cornerback in the nation. So with that blow, they've lost two of their star players and one player um, in that one injury. So I think it's going to be tough to beat Oregon and to beat USC without him. Uh, I would love to see it happen. I think Shador has everything in his power to keep those games competitive, uh, keep them in it, and give them a chance to win with Travis Hunter there. I feel very confident in their ability to at least split those games. They'd have to take one of them, in my opinion. Um, It just sucks because I really wanted to see Travis Hunter there. I I wanted them fully locked in. Oregon, whatever. If he missed one week and he missed Oregon, whatever. I don't care about that. But the Shador-Caleb Williams matchup is the matchup of the year. That's from how I for how I see it, though that's pick one and pick two. Pick take your pick, whichever one you like. Those hey, are the, those are the two best players in the country. Speaking of that, yeah, go ahead. Speaking of that, uh, Dion said neither one of his sons are going to going to the league next year. He said that in a literally in a video I watched probably like two three hours ago. <laughs> did you see? Did you, did you see their son? It's, you see Shador's reaction to that? He was like. He gave him a side. That nigga gone, bro. (laughs) Gone. It's one of those things. But but in reality, and I know this might be popped off a little bit off topic. I'll kind of get back where we were. But it's one of those things where Shador, in reality, probably, if I'm going to guess how much NIL money he's making, he's probably pushing two, three mil. Like, in my opinion, like, just from the outside looking in, and that might be even a low standard for him. Yeah. Like, because he was already in commercials before he was even on Colorado. Like before, before he was even on the damn team. This is Jackson State, dog. Um, and and this also, in the law, in the grand scheme of things, has put black colleges on the map as well, because a lot of these dudes came from black colleges. Like obviously, Shador's Jackson State. This whole situation, bro, is insane, because you go to a not predominantly black school, being Colorado. Like, I mean, dude, 
they're gonna rush the they're gonna they're gonna rush the field every time they win a game at this point. It doesn't matter what they do. They've got people on the edge of their seats the entirety of the games they play, no matter if they're winning by 20 or tie game, having a double OT game till 2:30 in the morning on Eastern time, man. And I'm telling you, that's one of the most incredible games I've watched in the last couple of years, in my opinion. If you guys didn't have a chance to watch it, I would literally start at the middle of the fourth quarter and just watch through the double overtimes. It is one is super fun to watch. Unfortunately, you do I believe you still see the hit of Travis Hunter, which I'm not a fan of. And I do want to point that out. That guy, what well, it was a dirty hit. And the reason I say it was a dirty hit, and the only reason I say it was a dirty hit, it's not because it came after the play and it was kind of like broken up. Yes, those are all evident points, very good points. It's the fact that he, like, stood kind of over him after he hit him. like. And Travis Hunter isn't a big guy. Like, he's not a big guy. He knows this. So he's obviously going to understand he was defenseless. And the fact that he didn't get a targeting uh, call for that was insane, too, because I've definitely seen way worse targeting calls in my day. I've seen a lot. There was a UNC one a couple years ago. It was outrageous dude like i mean dog dropped his head to the guy's knees and he hit him on his head and they called a targeting call on it. like i don't know what you want to do like what do you want to yeah and even to that that point um i know that obviously the colorado team is extremely special um regardless of how the season ends up it's gonna be um incredible to just recap i'm sure there will definitely be a, a awards for this team you know pinning their record um, definitely a coaching award for Dion in some capacity, whether it's from an ESPN, from a, whoever gives out the awards. Excuse me. Jesus. Um, super excited to see where this all goes. And like you said earlier, man, this is just a foundation. Like, as he's he is trying to build an empire, um, I don't think Dion seeks to, to coach at the NFL level. I think he really had, has found his niche in college football because he really i believe really wants to like you said you know take those young boys and turn them into men um, and that's ultimately what he i think he genuinely loves to do being that he has two young boys himself and um obviously i'm sure has a ton of love for the team that he's got currently and will for the guys that come in um host them as well yeah <laughs> but i mean with that being said you know the last topic of the night week two recap um i don't know man i took some notes on it the way that i broke it down was from afc east all the all the afc so afc east north south west um took my takeaways from that then i did the east north south west in the nfc and took my takeaways from that but i just want to start just off the top with my Panthers, bro. I just, I, <laughs> I got, I, so go for it. Right now, the Panthers are 0 and 2. They're the only team in the division that has a loss. Both of all three of the other teams are 2 and 0. The Falcons, the Saints, and the Bucks. The fucking Bucks are 2 and 0. Are 2 and 0. That means, because we've already lost two divisional games, two. We only have four more. We only have four more, bro. We got to win out divisional. These head-to-heads are important, bro. It doesn't help that that Bryce Young had 
one of the best defenses in the league to go against this past week or on Monday. And then the week prior is his first game, first real game in the NFL because they didn't let him get enough fucking reps in preseason because they were they were literally they literally played in what total of like maybe 30 snaps. Maybe. Dude, he's a rookie. Oh, he might get hurt. Like, who fucking cares, dude? If he sucks, we don't care if he gets hurt. <laughs> like, no one fucking cares if he gets hurt. Like, that being said, like, they need a true game plan on what the hell they're going to do. Because in my opinion, it looks like the play calling is very consistent or inconsistent for uh, Bryce Young's strengths. Plus, the Saints defense is very good. I will give it to them. Um, and if it wasn't for the Panthers' defense, that game wouldn't even have been nearly as close because they can't fucking score a touchdown. They can't even score a damn touchdown. Get down to the red zone, turn the ball over, fumble. Fumble interception is guaranteed per game for this guy. But as they said for Peyton, uh, Elway, and I can't remember the other person, and their rookie seasons had some of the worst seasons ever, and then obviously they become great. So Look. who knows? I don't have much to say about you guys. I'm not going to lie. I was probably like 70% of America that as soon as 815 hit, I switched that television right over to the Steelers Browns game and never looked back. But um, just off of rip, I mean, look, y'all are going to be in line for another top draft pick. You're rebuilding. The defense is solid. You need more weapons on the offensive side. It's, that's, it's just... He has no one to really throw it to. When your best and most reliable receiver is an old Adam Thielen, it's time to give the man weapons. Y'all aren't going to do anything this season. This season's a wrap. Uh, when, when we see you guys, Bryce Young, I would honestly bench Bryce Young and make sure he, like, just let him have that as a second bye week. Let's not get him hurt because Micah and the boys are going to absolutely wreck his shit all game long like that might be the first time that we see Bryce Young's facial expression change because he's kind of like a Kawhi of football bro he's stone cold face the whole game no matter what's going on which is dope uh, I feel like that shows that like the moment's not getting to him I think he's gonna be fine I think he shows a lot of promise his pocket presence is nice he's really smart one nah nigga Nah, 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 nah. The pocket presence is mediocre. No, no, no. Y'all's offensive line is mediocre. Yes, I know. But, like, bro, you got legs. Like, do you think, do you see Lamar with his, like, above average line? Like, stay in the pocket, just get sat, just. He had a decent run. He had a decent run Monday. Late. One decent run. Late in the game. Late in the game when it matters. No, we were down two touchdowns, bro. It didn't matter at that point. <laughs> two two scores. I didn't care. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. Well, anyways, all I'm saying is, is that Bryce is going to be fine. He needs more weapons. One thing I like about him that you don't see a lot of young quarterbacks do, how I know, and this is how I know he has a high intellect in the game, is he is very willing to throw the football away. Like, almost like annoyingly willing to throw the football away if there's nothing there. Um, I notice him do that all the time. And to the, you know, to an average football fan who's like, oh, man, he's not doing anything, but he's really just doing the smart play there. I'd rather him throw the football away than try to force the pass. and For years. Yeah, yeah, and get an interception. He's not about that. He's smart with the football. I think he'll be fine. Y'all have some growing pains. 
I think uh, – some fucking weight on. I want to say the Saints are the best team in y'all's division. That's that's my initial gut reaction. I think the Bucks I'm with you. are right there with them, depending on how um, – how much longer May- Baker Mayfield can keep up his play at this level. If he can keep up his play at the level he's playing at now, they're probably the best team in the division, but I don't trust that to happen. I tr- I have more trust in Derek Carr at, uh, at quarterback, and they have a very complete team on defense. So I would have to go with the Saints because he's Derek Carr is probably the best quarterback in that division, and Saints – or Bucks might have the best overall roster. So I'm going to go with the Saints. Uh, I think that y'all are going to like struggle a little bit on offense, defense, y'all are who y'all are. That J.C. Horn pick is not looking great. <laughs> he cannot stay on the field. He is injury prone. I mean, I know the talent's there at a cornerback level, but he can't stay on the field, so we'll never know. So he getting fucking hurt at cornerback, bro. Dude, like, what the fuck is wrong with athletes these days, bro? These guys are, I'm not calling them a wussy, but, bro, niggas be just going out of games. Like, oh, shit, like, got hit. Oh, shit, my leg's cramping. Oh, shit, my toe hurts. Now, fuck out of here, bro. You're a grown-ass man. You gonna tell your kids, wait? Damn, bro, I just get, I'm sorry. The next division, I'm sorry. I, I really, they just pissed me off. Um... I want to go from the AFC down. We'll get to your Cowboys last because I'll let you get your rant on for them and let you get your air out for them. I can I wait. Want to talk about. I want to talk about the AFC East because right now we've got the Dolphins at 2-0, and the Jets at 1-1, the Bills at 1-1, and the Patriots at 0-2. And, um, and just an initial takeaway from that, right now I think this division for the Dolphins is an absolute fucking layup. It's an absolute layup. God forbid if they have injuries, which is one of the things I'm worried about with Tua. If he hits, gets one another, those little those concussion hits, I'm not really feeling that at that point. Uh, then Josh Allen will probably swoop in, or actually maybe the fucking Jets will win the division for all we know. Um, but they look sharp, man. I mean, the offense is crazy high-powered. I mean, like, I don't even know what you do against them. Like with Tyreek on the field, they're stretching the field all types of ways. They're running Tyreek in motion every single play. Like every single play he's in motion. So it's like, brother, how are you going to cover him with a running start? Um, and in my opinion, this might be a bold prediction. I think they're going to go 6-0 and in the divisional games. I don't think they're oh. going to lose one divisional game. I, I, that's, that's my opinion. Look. I think the hardest game of the year for them divisionally is going to be playing the Bills at the Bills. And I don't believe Josh Allen has – he doesn't have that dog in him. We talked about this. He doesn't have that dog in him. And Tua, as he gets more comfortable, his he I've seen even through the two games that he's played, just catching glimpses of it, watching him a little bit, seeing how he's dropping back, seeing how he's throwing the football. He's finding timings better, a lot better than he was last season. That team was still making a trend up. So the sky is the limit for these guys. I just don't think that anybody in their division right now, the Patriots, I mean, the Patriots are a wash. The Jets, they can do with the defense, but I still, like, the, it's one of those things, like, it's like playing a college football team like uh, prime Auburn with Cam Newton. Not saying that Cam Newton is Tua or Tua's Cam Newton. Uh, but, like, when you're playing a team like that that can just take the ball or Oregon Ducks from Marcus Mariota's age, like, they just can do whatever they want on offense. It's just all about can they stop it on defense. And they've shown that they can do that as well. Look, I'm with you. I think the Dolphins are the front runners in that division for sure. Um, them going six and zero, I can't. It's 
NFL, I, I just couldn't see that happening. I don't know. I don't know if they're that dominant. Like, I don't know if they're that dominant. I think they're I think a they're really good there. team. I think the Bills will be their competition in that division. While I think the Bills, while I think Josh Allen is a roller coaster and he's got dog in him, his problem might be he's got too much dog and doesn't know when to dial it back. He's like a dog that hasn't been neutered yet. He doesn't know when to dial it back. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I think that the Bills will will be some competition for them. I think the Bills are still a good team. I don't see them as Super Bowl contenders, but I think they're a good Absolutely team. Uh, Miami, yeah, they're on a hot streak. Tua looks good. I've always been a big supporter of Tua. I've always seen those tendencies in him. He reminds me a lot of Drew Brees with his accuracy and how he gets the ball out really quickly. Um, so I, there's a lot of good things right there. And if you know if Jalen Ramsey comes back for the Dolphins, that's a huge gain for them later on this season. I got question marks if he'll actually return. But if he does return, then that would be good for him. So, yeah, Dolphins are the front runners. I think the Bills are, are right there with them. I got them a notch below. Um, the Bills have a better defense for sure, which Dolphins' problem still right now is their defense is not that great. or They're not like that Chargers game. It was still a bunch of blowouts and stuff like that. When you face one of those really epic defenses and they're stopping you a few times and – you're going to have to find new ways to win games. Look, listen, the, the Jets are irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant with Zach Wilson as quarterback. Um, I don't think there's anybody that they can go get that's out there that's available that will make them relevant again. Um, that so-and-so top three defense that they thought was going to be the 85 Bears defense, Dak Prescott, you know, ran up and down it very easily, put up 30 points. So, I mean, I don't know what's – I don't know what everybody's raving about when it comes to that defense. So I think that they're absolutely irrelevant. The Patriots are 0-2, but I think they're a little better than 0-2. I think they're a little better than what their record is showing. They're very well coached. Mac Jones, for the lack of weapons, is actually playing quite decent. Obviously, the defense is always good. Bill Belichick is a defensive mastermind, so they'll always have a top 10 defense. I have it. Dolphins number one. Bills number two. Jet, uh, Patriots three and Jets bottom last in the division. That's how I think it will finish. That is my initial inclination. Well, that's definitely something new not to see the Patriots at the top of that division for the past couple of years now. Obviously, with the falling out of Brady, but coming into the AFC North, where you've obviously right now you got the Ravens at two and oh, you got the Steelers at one and one, got the Browns at one and one after an epic game last night. Uh, uh, shout out Nick Chubb, hopefully, um. Everything goes well, man. I, I really hate to see that shit. Like it sucks. Um, and then you've got your your Bengals at 0-2. Um, so my initial thoughts on that is the Ravens right now are a clear favorite, especially with the Bengals struggling. Um, Lamar is an MVP form right now. He's in that bag again. And it's scary because him and Odell seem to f- they're starting to get a little bit of rhythm, not all of it, but a little bit. And then what's his face? I can't remember his first name, but Flowers is Zay man, Flowers. Zay Flowers is a f- phenomenal football player. And so I do want to mention though that the Bengals did start last year with two losses and went to the went to the NFC champion or AFC championship. So it does but not depend. two divisional losses. Yes, but not two divisionals. So that's true. But that being said, all of that depends on if they can get that engine running sooner. 
than later because right now to lose to Lamar, that's the first time they lost to the Ravens uh, in the last three meetings, I believe. Um, and Lamar, like I said, is in MVP form. It's really hard to say, like, with the Browns, because after losing Nick Chubb, I just – I can't really see that team doing much now because Deshaun's playing okay. Like, it's not anything bad with him, and the defense doing all right. But, like – and the Steelers are just the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers are going to be competitive. They're going to play you hard. Like, that's just what it is. Mike Tomlin has instilled that into his teams. But, I mean, right now it's – I think it's Lamar's division, and in my opinion, depending on how Mahomes and um, who else will be an MVP contender this year? I mean, in the AFC at least. I mean, really, no. Two is number Mahomes. one right now. Yeah, two is not going to win that shit. I promise. Uh, Dude, I think that. if the if the MVP vote ended today, I think number one and number two are both defensive players, in my opinion. In the AFC and the NFC. Well, I'm just talking about if there if the the MVP vote happened today, just in general across the whole NFL. I think the top two, the whoever the MVP is, the the winner and the front runner would both be defensive players right now. And T.J. Watt and Michael Parsons, however way you have it, I think those two right now are leading. They lead the MVP race in my eyes. I know defensive players don't get it, but these quarterbacks aren't even playing well. Like. They're playing well, like we're mentioning Tua and Lamar Jackson as playing well, but they're playing well um, in comparison to their contemporaries. But as far as historically speaking, these stats from quarterbacks have been very lackluster across the board for everybody. I think that they were saying, um, what's his face, uh, the rookie from the Texans, C.J. Stroud, has he's leading in a lot in you know multiple categories across the NFL. And, uh, in some sense of the ball 50 sometimes a game too That's in some sense of statistics but he's doing it efficiently efficiently yeah I get I on a bad that. team I, I'm, proud to, I'm, I'm happy to see CJ Stratton we're gonna get to him here in the AFC South but yeah I think the North is uh the Ravens division to lose I hate it for Joe Burrow on that team they look a little uncomfortable look a little bit out of rhythm um and once again I absolutely fucking hate it for the Browns because like I love Nick Chubb I think he's like I don't even think he's necessarily an exciting player. I just think he's a good football player. Like, he's just a good, solid – he plays the game right, and it's just shitty that those things have to happen. And then, I mean, we'll talk about in the NFC, I mean, with Saquon. I mean, that shit sucks too. So, um, going back to the AFC South, because we already kind of led into it, you got the Jags right now at 1-1, Colts at 1-1, Titans at 1-1, and then the good old C.J. Stroud, Texans at 0-2. Texans probably will have 15 losses this year. Let's just be real. Um, that's just what it's going to look like. But initial thoughts, right now, Colts and Jags are those guys um, that could, in my opinion, make a surprising playoff run, depending on how they end the season, injuries pending, et cetera and how the AFC looks on the other side on injuries, et cetera, so on and so forth, going into the playoffs and momentum. I think Trevor Lawrence right now is becoming extremely comfortable in an NFL pocket, extremely comfortable. He's always been comfortable in the pocket, but especially now, after having the season they had last year, and he wants redemption. He wants an opportunity to prove himself against the best players in the world, the best football teams, some of the best football teams, speaking of the Chiefs of all time. Um, I definitely think he wants that type of title. And then when you talk about the Colts situation, the running game is solid. And it's not many opponents many, many that can like go out of their way to do too, too much about it. 
But I think as of now, if I'm looking at a front runner, I'm looking at the Jags because they've been there before. But I think the Colts could surprise a lot of people and have an extremely competitive divisional race towards very the very end of the season. And then the hit on CJ Stroud, because we're not going to talk about the fucking uh, Titans because the Titans are just there at this point. I don't think you're beating the Jags, in my opinion. But CJ Stroud continues to have to adjust such as Bryce Young does. Um, I think, like you said, he's, I mean, top in a few different things, categories. I think he's a phenomenal pick. I think he'll be really good. In my opinion, just looking from two games, obviously I think Bryce will be great too. But I think the ceiling realistically can be seen as higher for C.J. Stroud because of his size differential compared to Bryce. Because he's not that much bigger than Bryce, but Bryce is like a tiny dude. And tiny guys don't usually end up well in the NFL in terms of quarterbacks. That's just what it is. So All right. We gave you your shitty that. Panthers rant. We don't need to go back to them niggas again. So, <laughs> but any, anyways, I, I agree that the Jags are front runners. Um, I think the Colts can make it interesting from like a game-to-game perspective, but I don't really think they're a threat to anybody in the grand scheme of things when it comes to playoffs. I think they're a couple years away. Anthony Richardson is surprising people on all levels. His his uh his kind of the way he approaches the game, the aura he kind of has around him, it's kind of crazy because he's got like the whole it almost seemed like the team is following behind Anthony Richardson. He just got there. And people weren't even sure like what he was at quarterback, and they're all just buying into him. He's he had like two rushing touchdowns before he went into concussion uh, concussion protocol before the game was over. I think he's gonna be really good fantasy wise. If he's still sitting out there on waivers for you guys, you better pick him up. If you got him on your bench, I don't know who you have starting over him, but I can almost guarantee halfway into the season he'll probably make it into your starting lineup. Because he's probably going to get those rushing touchdowns all day long. But like I said, Jags are the front runner. Calvin Ridley was such a great acquisition for the Jaguars and for Trevor Lawrence specifically to have that guy. Because we know he loves Zay Flowers. Or not Zay Flowers. He loves, um, damn, uh, Zay Jones, the ECU native Pirates. (laughs) Go Pirates. Um, And uh, Christian Kirk. We know he loves those weapons, but neither one of those guys even scratched the surface of what is capable with uh, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is an absolute stud. I remember James Jones on Speak said before the season that Calvin Ridley went in as a top five receiver. Uh, He had somewhat of a lackluster game last week, but he absolutely came out the gate week one. Um, But that was a defensive game. And I think Trevor Lawrence, like you said, he's got a lot of confidence. I think he's here. I think he's going to be one of those top AFC quarterbacks. He's going to bump Josh Allen. He's going to bump Justin Herbert down. And he's going to be competing right there with uh, Lamar and Joe Burrow as, you know, that kind of two, three range. I think that's where Trevor Lawrence will be. I don't see him surpassing Patrick Mahomes. That's I just can't see Realist- that happening. Realistically, the only quarterbacks that in my eyes that I could see that is Lamar and Joe when they're playing at their best. That's just my – in the AFC. AFC. No. Um, there's nobody. I mean – the the that's realistically the, speaking, that's the only realistic, like in in some not even dream world, but like that's the only real way I could see it in terms of quarterbacks that have a shot at it. More or less, is probably. I think the only quarterbacks that 
have the ceiling to do so are not in the league don't yet. Don't fucking say Dak. I'm about to say, don't fucking say Dak. I'm not about to say Dak, bro. I'm not about to say Dak. Even though he's leading, leading the league in QBR, I'm not going to say Dak. I was saying Caleb Williams or uh, Shador Sanders. I I think, well, I think what Caleb Williams have put on tape for a college football perspective from a prospect, we have not seen. Like, Caleb Williams looks like a Patrick Mahomes prototype. Now, I'm not willing to put him there with Patrick Mahomes yet. We have not seen him play in the NFL. Caleb Williams is doing things that Patrick Mahomes does, but he's doing it against college players. Let's see him do it against NFL players like Patrick Mahomes does. But he has a lot of the same mechanics, technicalities. I think that he yeah, is. But, um, but yeah, I think the Jags are the front runners. There's not much in that division. That division is kind of boring, no. to be honest. No, this it's always been a pretty boring division because Peyton was running it for a decade. So also, kind of fun fact: Jaguars are the only team to not play a Sunday night game this whole year at all. What do you? Oh, night game. Okay, shit. They usually play the four o'clock, or they'll play the four. They don't. I mean, the they've never had like a prime time. That's uh, insane. Or at least that's, that's a stat long. I saw on Twitter. I did not fact check that. I saw it on Twitter, and it just popped in it's my head, right. and I'm reiterating it's it. Right. And here after dark, we're a nighttime show, so we ain't got to fact check everything. We're just here to have some fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, and going to the shittiest division in probably the entirety of the league, the AFC West. Right now we get the Raiders at 1-1, the Chiefs at 1-1, the Chargers at 0-2, and the Broncos at 0-2. Let's go and just start with the Broncos. They fucking suck. Next, the Chargers. <laughs> the Chargers... The Chargers will pick up steam. They're still not getting out of the division beating the Chiefs. Um, the Raiders are the Raiders. I don't expect much from the Raiders. I've said this multiple times over and over. It used to be Brady's division in the AFC. Um, excuse me. In the AFC East used to be the weakest division before Josh Allen came in and started giving some co- competition. Um, but now the AFC West is truly the weakest division in the National Football League. But there the problem is... No- is- it shouldn't be. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be. But it's like it is. It is. It's just what it is. Patrick Mahomes is literally gonna dog these dudes. It's not even like a game for them at that point. Travis Kelsey gets healthy. Like he just. I mean, and I hate it because I don't like Patrick Mahomes. But he's just gonna fuck it. <laughs> like it's not much thought going into it, and just kind of what I wrote down notes wise. I mean, unless somehow these dudes just fumble the biggest bag of all time, the Chiefs in the Chiefs, there's no way they lose this division. There's no way. Like, they would, Patrick Mahomes would literally have to get hurt. And I'm not speaking that into existence. I don't want anybody to ever get hurt. But that would literally have to happen. And then they'd have to have their basically half their offensive line just fall over. That's how bad the division is. Russell Wilson can't win football games. I don't even want to talk about fucking, um, not even the Chargers, but the Raiders. They're just the, the most up and down team of all time, bro. They have they, they have a good season, they have a mediocre season, they have a shit season. They can't win. The Raiders are win. the Raiders are a joke. Josh uh, Josh McDaniels he hasn't done anything as being the head coach of any team since he's been a head coach. He's done it multiple times. And we have seen multiple times that he is an absolute failure at that. So I don't know why we 
plan to see what he can do next he's probably going to continue to be an absolute failure at that he should go back to being an offensive coordinator for the patriots for bill belichick where he actually does some good things uh that's enough of the raiders uh so let's get into the chargers chargers they picked up kellen moore they thought they were about to score 40 points a game guess what kellen moore puts up points but he is not a good situational offensive coordinator. Cowboys fans been trying to tell the world that the whole time, but they were still stuck up on, oh, Cowboys, the number one offense the last three years. Okay, that's fine and dandy. What you got to understand is Kellen Moore is trying to win a head coaching job. So all he's trying to do every time he gets the ball is score points. That is not football. That is not chess. Chess is when you're up big, you are supposed to uh, hold on the ball, keep the keep possession of the ball, run timeout, make sure your defense stays off the field so we can get this game in and go ahead and seal the win in. Kellen Moore doesn't think that way. When they went into overtime and went three and out, it's because Kellen Moore is dialing up plays that aren't situationally uh, correct. So, I mean, that's just that's just what it is. I like you. Like I said, though, I'm. I'm a pause on, um, you know, acting as if the Chargers have a problem. I don't think they have a problem. Obviously, that offense is lethal, absolutely lethal with Keenan Allen, uh, Quentin Johnson, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert. Obviously, they're going to be putting up points. They're going to win games because they're putting up points. The defense needs to get it together. They're the, one of the most expensive defenses in the league, and they're playing like one of the worst. So. That's a bad recipe for disaster. That's how niggas lose jobs. So someone's got to step their shit up. Chiefs are going to run through that division. They're going to run through it. Sean Payton, you were calling out Nathaniel Hackett. You were saying that it was the worst coaching job in team history. And now you're sitting at 0-2, my boy. You're putting everything on Russ. Russ actually played a decent game last time. I don't know why you're putting it on Russ at some point. Now, if Russ keeps playing decent games, now, I'm not saying he's playing good games, and I'm not saying he looks like the Russ that we came to know. But if he's putting up decent games and y'all are losing, and he has big leads because they had a big lead going into halftime, that's going to come down to coaching at some point, my boy. Can't keep putting it on good boy Russ. That's all I got to say. Chiefs are going to run away with that division. Chargers will creep their way up there in the second uh, in second place probably find themselves on the wild card um on a wild card playoff game but other than that that's the chiefs division to win for the foreseeable future yes and now we get to your fucking division um now we get the nfc the nfc east right now we have three teams at two and oh the cowboys the eagles and the commanders and then we also have the giants at one and one after shellacking from the cowboys in week one so I'll give my takeaways before he gets into his bag because um, you know he's going to get into his bag regardless. Um, when it comes down to the NFC East, right now I think in my opinion, if you look at the NFC, it is the most competitive division where top to bottom they have the most talent overall throughout the entire NFC and maybe in the entirety of the league. Um, and it's, this is probably the most competitive it's been in the last probably five years, like where there's multiple teams that can not, I'm not saying the Cowboys aren't, aren't unbeatable, but I'm not saying they're not beatable either. It's one of those things where if a team comes out flat, another team can beat them and it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be an issue type of thing. 
Um, that being with that being said, I still believe the Cowboys and the Eagles is their division to fight for. Obviously, the Commanders are the Commanders, and I love the spirit that DC has. But you guys just aren't beating the Cowboys and the Eagles. It's just not happening right now. It just it's just not gonna happen. We know this is not gonna happen. You're playing against two good quarterbacks, two good offenses, two good defenses, well rounded, built to win Super Bowls. Obviously, Cowboys aren't gonna make the Super Bowl, but um, the Eagles have already been there, and they were one a couple plays away from winning the Super Bowl. But that being said. Excited for those divisional games between the Cowboys and the Eagles. It's going to be super fun to watch. Um, and from at the end of the day, I think the divisional games are going to be the decider who wins this division. I think flat out who win, who wins the series. If they split the series on Cowboys-Eagles, it depends on how they come out in terms of the divisional record. Um, on the other side, and that's going to be the team that wins the division and gets themselves a bye in the first week because I think they're going to have the second one, two best records in the league or in their uh, side of the bracket. I mean, obviously, right now, I think these guys are the top two contenders in the NFC. I don't think it's a question. There's really not many other teams aside from the 49ers that can really compete with these two guys right now in, in the Buc or not the Bucks, the Eagles and the Cowboys. And these guys it honestly might end up coming down to a Cowboys slash Eagles versus 49ers in the NFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl, which I'm super excited to see that as well. Pending in injuries, I mean, this is 17-week season now or it's 18-week season now, 17 games, more likelihood of injuries, but more likelihood for uh, crazier endings to the season as well. So super pumped for that. Want to get your thoughts on it, uh, Mike. Obviously, I know they're your boys, so want to at least let you get that off. Yeah, so let's start from the bottom. So we're going to talk about the Giants with their $40 million Kmart version of Eli Manning. Uh they were down. They so they basically started off the season. Their first six quarters, they got outscored sixty to zero. Sixty to zero. It took a miraculous uh, second half comeback against the Arizona Cardinals, who are very much so in line to receive Caleb Williams or Shador Sanders with the first pick in the draft. That's how the Giants' season is going so far. Uh, not too hot. The Commanders, a lot of promising stuff going on with the Commanders. Sam Howell is, he's, he very well so might be the franchise guy for the Commanders. He's a UNC, UNC guy, um, Charlotte native. So he's, he's a really good, he's a really good player. He's showing a lot of heart out there. They got, they got some real rep, real weapons out there. Defense is good. Um, yeah, I, I like what they got going on. I like what they got going on. Like you said, they're not a real threat to do anything in the division. But if you are a Commanders fan, you should be happy and proud with where your team's at. There's something to build on, and there is hope for a future of competitiveness in the uh, later down the line. So now we move on to the Eagles. The Eagles are sitting at 2-0. When you're winning games and you're finding a way to win games, you can't be too upset with what's going on. But if we really look with our eyes, because when I watch the media, there's a lot of covering up, a lot of bullshit going on, and a lot of people not trusting their eyes. And if you trust what your eyes tell you, the Eagles don't look like the Eagles of last year. They don't look dominant like that. The defense, if they can't get sacks, then they they give up a lot of yards. They they let Kirk Cousins look like an absolute beast um, in their first game. Matt Jones looked like an absolute beast in the first game. They're going to need 
real defense. Because when you look at the landscape, it's the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers at NFC. It's as simple as that. Maybe somebody might come out of nowhere uh, in the second half of the season, but we're talking about first two weeks. It's as simple as that, those three. And what the Cowboys and the 49ers have is decent offense and legendary defense. And the Eagles are supposed to be in that, you know, really good to legendary defense realm as well, but they're not showing it. Uh, you know, obviously Justin or Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, not having the best start. He's not having a bad start per se, but he just doesn't look like he's in that flow state kind of like he was last year. So I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be competitive. They're definitely gonna, you know, be the ones that we're looking over our shoulders for the whole time, but. They don't look like the Eagles of last year. I think that's fair to say. I don't think I'm being some irrational Cowboys fan when I say that just based off of what I saw. You're just irrational because you are a Cowboys fan. That's the only reason. Very well so. But speaking of the Cowboys, how about I give my irrational Cowboys fan initial thoughts of being 2-0 in the league. And, you know, from where I sit, we are by far – the number one team in the league after two weeks. If you try to argue anybody else, I'm just going to say you're a Cowboys hater. After two weeks, we're the number one team in the NFL. It's as simple as that. We're the team to beat right now. It's as simple as that. Everybody wanted to tell me how good the Jets defense was when Josh Allen committed four turnovers against it. Everybody wanted to tell me that. That defense did not scare me, not for a second. Okay, well, maybe one second because Dak almost threw that pick six, and I almost shit myself a little bit when I saw that. But other than that, that's the only play that that defense scared me. Other than that, we carved them up the whole game. Dak slicing, dicing, big boy in the city, yo. I'm telling you, that's he's got names. He got names all across his hand, and he's checking every single one of them off this year. This, this is the year. Listen to me. Michael Parson looks like something I've never seen before. And that very first drive that the Jets have when Zach Wilson dropped back and you just saw Michael Parsons peel across the corner and come straight up the gut and fucking sack him and do his lion crawl. If you don't tell me that that's not the scariest shit that you've seen all year, like our defense looks scary, bro. Scary. I couldn't imagine being Zach Wilson and having to sit in that pocket knowing that Everywhere I turn, there's this big-ass gorilla nigga trying to fucking sack the shit out of me and kill me. Hell nah, bro. There ain't no shot in hell. All I'm saying is, listen, trust your eyes. Trust them. They won't deceive you. You know what you see. You really do. You know what you see. We are going to absolutely wreak havoc this season this is not the same cowboys of late you want to know how is you want to know how it's different you want to know why it's different because this is usually the time where everybody buys in not just the cowboys fans but everybody this is usually the time where it's like the natural cowboys hype cycle oh this is their year everyone hops on the train and what i've noticed is everyone's reluctant to hop on the train this year what that's going to give is just added motivation to our players and it's a little different, and it's going to make it so much sweeter when the first year that everyone hopped off the train is the year that we reached the destination. How sweet is that? It's beautiful, baby. It's he beautiful. saved that line. He saved that line. Well, I will say that 
you guys are a scary team to watch. And this upcoming week, unfortunately for the fucking Cardinals, they—oh, <laughs> they're gonna get wrecked, dude. I don't even know. Justin Dobbs or Jay Dobbs—I can't even remember his fucking first name. Josh. He played at Josh Dobbs from Tennessee, dude. That bald head might turn waxed, full-on waxed after this game. I don't, I don't know what to tell him. Uh, block to the best of your ability. Um, Double-team Micah Parsons on every single run. It does not matter, bro. I don't care if there's a guy leaning into the backfield free. Let him go, because I think if Micah gets his hands on him, it might be a real problem. He might actually make him look like a cancer patient. Um, and shout out cancer. That shit sucks um, for anybody that's got it out there and fighting it. Um, and I mean, I last point I wanted to make here, I mean, your Cowboys do look good. I'm not going to take anything away from them. I will not get on that train because, like I said, I know they won't get to that destination because guess what? There's a lot of there's a couple other teams that I got a lot more faith than they're going to do it and actually have shown that they can do it. Um, so that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that. They could go 16 and one for all I fucking care. Um, and they'll still find a way to fucking troll. Um, last point I wanted to make on the NFC on the take of the week one. The 49ers are showing their showing their face again um, to being one of the best organizations in the league because for some way somehow these motherfuckers always find a way to just pop out just dudes just pop out dudes and then you get christian mccaffrey on your team who is i mean the best back in the nfl i can't believe it <laughs> i can't believe the panthers had it and they let him go for bryce they let all this stuff go for bryce young which is good if it turns out good, but it's a it's a gamble, and I'm not a huge ga- yeah I am, um, but when it comes to gambling, you got to be able to hedge your bets, and the hedging was Bryce Young, and his success, and until I see that, that looks like it's a bad bet. That being said, I think the 49ers right now are the second and third most dominant team in the NFC. Um, like you said, it is a 49ers Cowboys Eagle Eagles league. Um, looking at the the San Francisco 49ers division right now, you got them at two and zero. Rams at one and one. Seahawks at one and one, and the Cardinals at zero and two. You got to watch out for the Seahawks just because of the simple fact that they got a lot of fight in them. Yeah, uh, Pete Carroll, he inspires those guys, man. Geno Smith's got those guys on a point. I'm so happy for Geno Smith too. Um, from the road that he's taken from West Virginia to now, super happy to see him. You know, start to have real success in the NFL. Not even really necessarily real success, but to see him flourish a little bit more and really be able to show off what he's able to do. Someone that I always kept an eye on, even while he was in college. But, I mean, the 49ers are the 49ers. I just, it's hard to debate it when you look at the West. And right now it's East versus West. And uh, the East has a couple better players and get better teams. And I'm just thinking that, you know, we'll see as the season goes on. We get a long season ahead. And like I said, pending any injuries, because we know they're going to happen. And it's the shittiest part about the game um, and about sports in general. Those dictate seasons. Those dictate wins and losses. And I hope that everybody stays healthy that's important enough to stay healthy. And I don't want anybody to get hurt, but I know the game of football. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you pretty much on all your points. I think the 49ers are easily going to run away with that division. 
Um, and probably won't lose any sleep over anyone in that division, to be honest. I have the 49ers as the second best team in the league right now. Um, <clears throat> I think they're I think that defense is truly dominant. If if it's either a notch under ours or the exact same, just a different type of defense. Like it's that dominant. It's the exact like it's pick your poison, basically. That defense is crazy. He's got the reigning defensive player of the year on the team and Nick Bosa. Uh, Brock Purdy is looking like he's really, you know, he's really the guy to lead them to the way. Assassin, bro. Yeah, he faces assassin. It's it's crazy, and you know they got Christian McCaffrey, who I think is the best uh, running back in the league. Um, I don't really think that's debatable either. I think he's the most versatile running back in the league. They got a really good offense too, um, with Ayuk and George Kittle, Debo Samuel, talent all across the board. Great coach in Shanahan as well. I think the 49ers are good. The Rams are surprising a lot of people. I expected them to fall flat on their face, but they actually look pretty decent. They actually got a pretty good offense. Um, They got a rookie receiver coming in and breaking the record for most receptions in the first two weeks, which is insane. It's 25, and the previous record was 19. So when Cooper Cups come back, you know, they got weapons, too. They're formidable. Aaron Donald's still there. Aaron Donald might not be the best defensive player in the league anymore, but he's top five, top three maybe, and he's still Aaron fucking Donald. We heard Geno Smith when he came across, when he came inside up the middle, we heard what his reaction was. So he's still instilling that same fear into people. So, um, you know, the Rams can, you know, ruin some people's seasons and make some games that should probably be easy win, um, you know, an ugly loss. Seahawks, they've got a lot of talent. I imagine them to finish the finish in second place. I would like to see them get that wild card spot and maybe ruin someone's playoff hopes. Hopefully not the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> but I think they're a good team, and I think they got a lot. I mean, well-coached Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's just the man, honestly, because the last time we saw Russell look good was with Pete Carroll, and now he uh, resurrected Geno Smith's career. Like, Pete Carroll's that dude, and we got to start talking about him as one of those coaches. He's right there with Tomlin, Belichick, and Reed. Pete Carroll is that dude. Um, That team's playing well. I would like to see the defense maybe play a little bit better, but the offense is spectacular. It's a lot of pieces going over there. I, I mean, I think it's exciting. I think the whole league, the landscape of what this season will be is exciting. There's a lot of storylines. The only problem is there's a lot of injuries as well, so maybe we can clean some of those up, get some of those players back in. Hopefully everyone stays healthy. This will be a good season, a great one, and even better if the Cowboys are hosting that Lombardi Trophy. God, no, God, man, I can't wait for that. I can't wait. I hope they make it and they lose. That would be great. Um, I'm sorry, I'm praying on your downfall. But, uh, <laughs> it, it, in that case, I know Mike. We we want to wrap it up. I appreciate you guys. I want to go ahead and once again shout you guys out again to the likes, uh, subscribe, subscribing, just even listening and watching, um, whatever platform that you're on. Obviously, if you're on YouTube like and subscribe uh definitely take a listen to that we try to compartmentalize the videos shout out mike for that uh so you can really pick and choose i know we typically only have about four to five topics try to keep it pretty condensed for y'all but we are big talkers and we love tangents and that's just how we talk we've talked like that for years over a deck almost a decade now so um want to just kind of give you guys the best content as you can and we love feedback so that's why we really need you guys to comment let us know if you know us personally text us 
whatever needs to be Instagram DMs via uh, our Instagram and on Apple Music and uh, Spotify, five stars, et cetera, so on and so forth. And uh, appreciate you guys on the ride. This has been amazing. And uh, we're going to keep checking for you. Yep. Thanks for rocking with us. So for all the fellas out there listening, listen, they only want a 1% man until they watch this previous episode where we kind of teach them a little bit. But as of right now, they still want a 1% nigga. So quit your bitching and get your bread up. But the ladies out there listening, he doesn't want you, sweetie. So please move on already every single week. I got to tell your ass to move on. And you still up here texting him like he he texts you at 2.30 and you over here excited as shit. You a booty call, ho. You a booty call. Leave his ass. But it's okay because you're still beautiful and powerful and will always love you. It's the After Dark Podcast. Until next time.